sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we see how great. Missionary Baptist Church located uh, in beautiful Northampton County just outside of the wonderful town of Garrysburg. Our motto here at Roanoke Salem is the end of your search for a friendly church and we do our very best to live up to that. I want to thank right God for us being here again today and right off the top I certainly want to thank um, April and Derek and Jasmine and want to thank um, Steve and Elijah and Marvin for being with us to play this morning. Uh, Brother Ricky uh, has some things, family matters to attend to, so he's not with us this morning on the saxophone, but we certainly miss him. And we continue to pray for uh, Woodrow Hardy, Deacon Woodrow Hardy Jr., Sonny, as he continues to recover uh, from illness. So we just thank the Lord for his grace and mercy on this morning. Will you repeat with us our mission statement is found uh, in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 Jesus is speaking when he says go ye therefore and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even until the end of the world amen we're going to have a opening selection now from our musicians and we'll continue right on with the order of service. As I journey through this land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Pierce my soul from without within, but my Lord leads me on. Through Him I must win. Oh, oh, I want to see Him. Look upon His face. There to sing forever of His saving grace on the street.
quickly to welcome those of you who are uh, tuning in or live streaming uh, with us on this morning. We know a lot of our members right here from Roanoke-Salem are uh, watching us, and so good morning to our church family. Love you all, praying for you all, but we also have those who are from churches in the surrounding area, and of course, because of the internet, there are those who are possibly watching literally from all over the country, so we thank you and we are so blessed that you will make time to worship with us on this Sunday morning. By way of announcements, just too quickly, um, first of all, and this is for our local area, the Northampton County area, I want to remind uh, everyone the Northampton County Health Department is in fact um, now uh, giving out one of the vaccines uh, for the COVID-19 virus. I'm not sure which one it is, whether it's Pfizer or Moderna, but anyway, the health department is now issuing uh, uh, vaccines. And what they want you to do is they want you to call the health department. This is key. If you're 65 years old or older, if you're 65 and older, uh, please call the health department or have someone call for you and uh, set up a time uh, to come to the health department and receive the vaccine. And, and I, I encourage everyone, you know, everybody does as you see fit, but I would encourage us to, yes, please, let's go get the vaccine and do what we can to try to help slow down and stop the spread uh, of this virus. Uh, the other thing I wanted to share this morning, too, is just to remind us that because it is Fourth Sunday, uh, we will be having communion uh, here in the sanctuary this morning. So I'm, I'm sharing now for those of you uh, who want to participate. Uh, you can go start preparing your elements for communion if you have any kind of fruit juice in the house. Uh, if you don't have fruit juice and you just have water, that's fine. God understands that it's, it's the idea of being obedient. But if you have any kind of fruit juice, you may use that or water. Uh, any kind of bread, just regular bread uh, of any kind, or if you have crackers of any kind, uh, you can use those two things uh, for your uh, fruit of the vine and your bread, if you will, at the time that we have communion a little bit later in the service. So I just want to give you plenty of notice now so that you can, like I said, be prepared uh, when we are when we go into morning uh, communion here on this Sunday morning. Offering time, thank you for your continued uh, liberal and generous giving uh, to the work we do here at Roanoke-Salem Missionary Baptist Church. Thank you, first of all, to our church family members being so dedicated and devoted and committed to obeying the Lord in your giving. And then thank you to everybody else, wh wh whoever you are, wherever you are, uh, for, for your giving as well. Quite a few of you who are not members of this church, you still give and support the work we do here. Uh, you can, you, those who are local or those who are away, you can send your offerings uh, here to P.O. Drawer Z. Garrysburg 27831. Again, that's P.O. Drawer Z. Garrysburg, North Carolina 
27831. Those who are local in the area, you can come by the church any Monday, Wednesday, or Friday between 9 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon. Uh, and there will be someone here, most likely Miss Jean Sykes, but there'll be somebody here uh, to receive your tithes and offerings. And then the last way for those who live out of the area, uh, you can go to our church webpage, which is rsmbc.com. Again, that's rsmbc.com. When you go to our home page, that first screen that comes up, if you look across the top, you'll see several tabs, and one of those tabs will say giving. If you will select that tab, click on that tab that says giving, then you, when that page opens up, you'll be instructed as to how uh, you can give online. And, and many of you do give online, so we want to thank you right now uh, for being so generous uh, in your giving. And continue to be obedient to the Lord. And I promise you, if, if you bring your meat, your, your financial offerings to the Lord's house, uh, he's going to make sure that there's plenty of, of, of resources in your house, not just financially but other resources that we need day to day. And he'll, he'll supply enough that we can be a blessing to others as well. We're going to transition now into our morning prayer. So let all hearts and minds please uh, let us uh, clear our thoughts and pray together. Lord Jesus, we recognize you this morning as being the one and only uh, true and living God. You are the son of the Father, and, and, and you are part of the Holy Trinity of God, the Father, God, the Son, and of course, the precious Holy Spirit, the one that you asked the Father to send to humanity when you went back to paradise, when you went back to sit on the right hand of the throne with your Father. We love you and we thank you this morning for loving all humanity. You love the unsaved people of this world. Lord, I want to make that so clear this morning. You love unsaved people right now. You don't wait till they get saved. You don't wait till they get cleaned up. You don't wait till they make a turnaround. You love them right now as they are. Because if you didn't, none of us could be saved. Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of your glory. And all of us, even the saved folks, we were active, uh, willful sinners before we made the choice to submit and humble ourselves and submit our lives to Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for loving all humanity. And we pray that unsaved people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I just, a general prayer of thanksgiving on this morning, not petitioning you for anything. Just thank you, Lord. The fact that we have uh, a, a life in our bodies this morning, thank you. The fact that we have um, uh, some food to eat, Thank you, Lord. The fact that we have clean, fresh water to drink. Thank you, Lord. The fact that we have vehicles to drive or we at least have connections to people that when we need to go somewhere, Lord God, you provide a way for us to get about. Thank you, Lord. If we live in big cities, there's probably public transportation of all sorts. Thank you, Lord. The fact, Lord, that we have a safe place to live. Thank you, Lord. The fact, Lord, that we uh, have whatever it is. If we need jobs, we got jobs. And for those who don't have jobs, even in the midst of, a, a, of not having a job, of unemployment, that you can still make a way somehow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory, hallelujah to your name. The fact, Lord, that sometimes our bodies get tired and sick and, uh, and, we, and we deal with ailments, physical ailments. But Lord God, through medical science, which you gave us, or just through a healing touch, you bring us back around. Thank you, Lord. And Lord God, even when it's your will, to save us, or to, excuse me, to heal us by taking us out of this world and unto yourself. Thank you, Lord, because this world is not our home. We should never get so hung up on and love the earth and the world that we live in so much that we forget that the best place is yet to come. Lord God, we thank you that in spite of all that has happened in the United States and around the world, in spite of the COVID virus, you are still God and you are in control. Nothing's happening that you're not either allowing it to happen or you make it happen for your own divine purposes and reasons. We don't have to know and understand what we have to do is trust you. And Lord, I'm simply saying on this morning, we do trust you this morning and we will continue to trust you. You have all power and all authority. You have all wisdom and all knowledge and you are everywhere all the time at the same time watching down on all humanity with your un undying and unconditional love, your grace and mercy, 
your forgiveness and your just justice. We thank you, we love you, and we just ask you to use us to serve you better and to show your love to all humanity. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We'll have a sermonic selection now, and we'll continue on with service. Sing a verse right here. Where there was hate, love now abides. Where there was confusion, peace now. Tell you what I'm doing. I'm walking, I'm walking with my Savior. I'm a child of, child of the King, and it's all because I. Y'all don't
God be all the glory. I know somebody at home has that testimony of how your relationship with Jesus Christ has changed your whole life. And I want to say this to those maybe who can't relate to that on this day. It's just a matter of you asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. We are not part of some kind of um, exclusive club. Anybody can give their life to Jesus Christ and he will gladly welcome you. So we just pray and believe the Lord that perhaps this is the day, if you're unsaved, that you'll turn your life around and ask Jesus to be your daily friend and companion uh, and your life will be 100% better. Father, I thank you now for this preaching opportunity. I just ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus, your name I pray, amen. The word today, the message this morning, just very straightforward, very simple, and uh, I won't be before you long because, again, we do want to make sure we leave sufficient time for communion. Uh, from the book of, from the Psalms, the, the, the group of poems put together that we call the Psalms, and this is from the 118th Psalm, and it's verse number 8. The 118th Psalm, verse number 8. This is from the New International Version of the Bible. This is what Psalm 118.8 says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Just, just for a few minutes, please let us reason together from this thought. Put our trust in J.C., not D.C. Put our trust in J.C. and not D.C. On Wednesday, January 20th, this past Wednesday, as many of us people all around the world know that, Joe Biden was sworn in as the 46th president of the United States of America. And on that same day, um, Kamala Harris was sworn in as the first the first woman vice president of the United States. And Vice President Harris is uh, uh, swearing it was history-making because she's also a woman of mixed race and she's a woman of color. Millions of Americans are excited and hopeful about the new Biden-Harris administration. They're, they're hopeful that this administration can bring a sense of healing to a nation divided by uh, politics and race and social justice issues and, and economic issues, just to name a few. The, uh, this, this hopeful group of Americans believe that this new administration can quickly create and implement a plan to, to get the COVID-19 vi vaccines out there, uh, out of bottles and, to, and into the arms of millions of citizens. And with all of our national problems, there will be no honeymoon period for this administration. No, they, they had to hit the ground running. They had to start day one because there's so many things facing our nation that, that are immediate right now issues to be dealt with. While some Americans are excited and hopeful about this new administration, we got to keep in mind that there are also millions of Americans who are angry and frustrated and disillusioned. Uh, many of the Americans in this group, they, they don't believe that the Biden-Harris administration uh, is legitimate. They don't believe that uh, they actually fairly and legally won the election. And as most of us witnessed on January the 8th, this anti-Biden-Harris group is is willing to break laws and use violence and even use deadly force to overturn the results of a legally certified presidential election. But at the end of the day, America begins 2021 just as divided as it ended 2020. But with all that said, there's still good news. Amen. There's still good news because 
there is a solution to our national problem. But the solution to our problem is not dependent on any person or any group in Washington, D.C. Let's say that again. The solution to our national problem is not dependent on any person or any group in Washington, D.C. In 1892, a socialist Christian minister, that might might sound like a contradiction in terms, but that's what he was, a, a socialist Christian minister named Francis Bellamy, he wrote the famous U.S. Pledge of Allegiance. Now, over time, the, some of the words were changed and some words were added to his pledge. But, uh, in fact, the words under God, you know, one nation under God, those two words under God were added in 1954 at the request of a member of the U.S. Congress. But I believe the significance of adding the words under God is this. Those two words, under God, clearly signify a recognition that the United States of America should always be submitted to the will and the authority of a sovereign God who is greater than any mortal man. There is a sovereign God who sits high and looks low, and he is greater than any mortal man. Let let me be clear. I choose to believe that President Biden and Vice President Harris are good and honorable people. I choose to believe that they really want to try to unite all Americans, but I also know they're human, just like you and me. They are vulnerable to emotional and physical ailments, just like you and me. And they can be coerced, or they may be able to be coerced, or tempted to do wrong, just like you and me. And the fact of the matter is because they are uh, of the Democratic Party and and so that makes them, I guess you could say, liberal or maybe even progressive in their thinking. I already know that there are policies that this new administration is in favor of or policies that they think are right that as a Christian I believe are wrong. So I can't full-heartedly and can't wholeheartedly and uh, fully sell myself into Um, supporting the administration because I already know that I have some issues with some of the things that they want to do or may want to do in the future. But here's the bottom line. If a Biden-Harris administration will have any type of success, it will be because Jesus Christ is on their side. And that's also true of you and me and our personal lives. If if we're going to have any kind of success at all, we need to have Jesus Christ on our side. The book of St. John, chapter 15, verse 5, from the NIV, Jesus himself said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, connected to me, and I in him, that man, that person will bear much fruit. And then Jesus makes this absolutely declaratory, unquestionable statement. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, without me on your side, without me in your life, you can do nothing. You can believe it if you want to, but it is the truth. Now, I'm not saying, be clear, I'm not saying that Jesus is for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm simply saying that if President Biden wants to be successful, he must submit to Jesus Christ. I know President Biden is a Catholic. He's a publicly declaring Catholic, but that doesn't mean necessarily that Jesus is first in his life. Just like millions of us who say we are Christians, but over the past four years, uh, our fellow unsaved citizens watched as many Christians trusted a man more than they trusted Jesus Christ. Amen. Still on this day, I encourage my sisters and brothers in Christ And I encourage my unsaved sisters and brothers to remember this. When we trust Jesus over our own intellect, over our own intelligence, when we trust Jesus over our own abilities, when we trust Jesus Christ over the thoughts and the opinions of other people, Jesus will ensure our success. I know that's right because in Proverbs 
3, 5, and 6, and Roanoke Salem knows this is my favorite scripture. I use it all the time. It says there that if we will trust in Jesus Christ with all of our spiritual heart, that means submit to his will and his ways. And if we don't rely on our own understanding, if we don't trust in our own human intelligence alone and that of other people alone, and and if we acknowledge Jesus Christ in all our ways, that means that whatever decisions we have to make, before we make any final decisions, no matter what kind of research and information we may have, data to support what we're thinking, we still go to God first before we make that final decision. If we do those things, it says that Jesus will direct our paths, which simply means that Jesus will help us make the right decisions to be successful. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If this message sounds familiar to you, uh, it should because... Um, I preached a similar message in October of 2020. The message was entitled, Trust the Lord and Not the Leader. I preached that message just a few weeks before the November 2020 elections. And the point of that message and the point of today's message is the same. It does not matter who is in the White House. Christians must trust Jesus Christ more than any political party, more than any personality, or more than our own personal preferences. It doesn't matter who's, we've had four years of Republican leadership, now we're going to have supposedly four years of Democratic leadership. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It matters who you hold in your house, and I mean in your mind, in your spiritual heart, who you have an allegiance to. And as a Christian, it should only be Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe the timing is right for today's message because a new president has just begun his new four-year term. And I I want this president to be successful, just as I wanted Donald Trump to be successful. That's right. I, I I didn't like a whole lot of stuff he did and said and thought he was way out there and wrong and certainly contrary to God's will in a lot of things. But as a Christian, I wanted him to be successful. This is what I did in according to God's word. I prayed and I asked the Lord to give Trump divine wisdom. I asked the Lord to protect him and Mike Pence and their families from harm and danger. But I knew if if Trump would not submit his will to the Lord's will, I knew he would fail. Trump did not submit to the Lord's will and to the Lord's authority. And in the end, in the end, and hear me clearly, The Lord Jehovah God decided Trump's political fate, and it did not matter which Christians were for him or against him. Say that again. In the end, it was the Lord Jehovah God who decided what happened and the outcome of the election. And it didn't matter as a Christian whether we were for him or against him. That was God's decision and God's decision alone. The same is true for Joe Biden. He will either submit his will to Jesus Christ or he will not. I will pray for the newest administration because in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, the Lord commands all true Christians to pray for our government leaders. And in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, the Lord commands all citizens to be subject to, that means to obey, our governing authorities. Why? Because it's the Lord who created governing authorities. The Lord Jehovah God created this this system of government uh, that is prevailing and, and, and is set up all around the world. But the Lord also warns us to always trust and obey him more than any human authority. The Lord warns us to always trust and obey him more than any human authority. That's why Psalm 118 verse 8 says, It is better to take refuge in, to trust and obey the Lord more than any man. Amen. That's exactly why Psalm 118 verse 8 says, and if you read verse 9, you'll see it says something similar. Let me be more direct. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 says this. It says, Thus says the Lord, the Lord himself was talking, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, 
whose heart turns away from the Lord. Cursed is the man. You're not going to be successful. Matter of fact, I'm going to make sure you're not successful. If you, as a human being, if I trust more in another, when it says trust in flesh, the flesh makes his flesh his strength, makes my own human thinking, my own human wisdom and understanding and abilities, I make that, put my confidence in that. And I can get my confidence so much in that that I'll turn away from the Lord. The Lord himself said, you're going to be cursed when you do that. If you voted for Joe Biden, you should be happy. But you need to understand, unless Joe Biden and Kamala Harris seek the wisdom and favor of Jesus Christ, there will not be any major, lasting, positive changes in America. Unless Joe Biden and Kamala Harris seek the wisdom in favor of Jesus Christ, there will not be any major, lasting, positive changes in America. It doesn't matter what political ideology any of us believe in. Without Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. This new administration may have a few political victories here and there, and people may begin to unite around some issues, but unless the Lord is in it, it won't last. I'm encouraging the entire body of Christ here in America to pray for the president, but to put our trust in Jesus Christ. If our confidence solely rests in what elected political leaders in Washington, D.C. can do, we're going to be very, very disappointed. Amen. I I close with this. In our personal lives in 2021, let's put our trust in J.C., and not D.C. We can all have desires and and make all the plans we want to, but if Jesus Christ does not approve those plans, if he's not part of them, we will not succeed. Jesus is always right, no matter who likes what he says, and no matter who agrees with what he says. I got to say it one more time, and and people who want to hate on me, hate on me all you want to, but Jesus Christ is always right, no matter who likes what he says or who doesn't like it, no matter who agrees and who doesn't agree. Amen. No human being is able to do what Jesus Christ can do for you and me. No human being can do for you and me what Jesus Christ has already done for us because the greatest thing he's already done is that he saved our souls when he went on Calvary's cross. Came down through 42 generations wrapped in human flesh, healed the sick, raised the dead, and then he completed his life mission, his life's purpose, which was to go up on a cross, falsely accused of crimes he did not commit, beaten and whipped and spat on and slapped and torn and uh, cursed and just vilified. None of it was true. But he let human beings take railroad stakes like this right here and drive them in his wrist or his hands and in his feet and he stayed on that cross and he said to the father forgive them for they know not what they do because he was right and we were wrong he could have come off that cross but he didn't because he was thinking about all of us who were already saved and all of us who were yet to be saved and then he gave up his life they didn't kill him on that cross that cross did not kill Jesus Jesus gave up his life and his soul returned to his father Then his physical body stayed in a grave all the rest of that Friday, all Saturday and Saturday night. And then early on, a Sunday morning that we call Easter Sunday, Jesus' soul reunited with his body, and he rose. He came out of that grave, came up from out the ground, out of that grave. And he had all power and authority, all wisdom and knowledge in his hands, given to him, because that was the reward from his father for being obedient to his mission. And he saved the souls of all humanity. We don't have to be saved, but the opportunity to be saved is there for you. So that's what Jesus has done for you already. And of course, every day you live, if you have a daily relationship with him, Jesus is doing things for you that we, you and I don't even know. But he's making sure that we're living the best life we can on this side of eternity at this point in time. I want to now ask that those who may have heard the word this morning and they're being moved by the Holy Spirit to give their lives to Jesus Christ. If that's you, don't be ashamed or embarrassed. 
just please, uh, if you will, drop your head wherever you are, if you can, and, and just say this simple prayer. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me for my sins. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you rose from the dead. I ask you now, Jesus, to be my personal Lord and Savior. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are now saved. You have now become part of the body of Christ. Most importantly, your soul salvation is set. Your soul is sealed away and heaven will be your eternal home. Because when you die, when this physical body dies, you don't just go away. The soul inside of every one of us goes somewhere and the Bible's clear, either heaven or hell. But because you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then heaven and paradise will be your eternal resting place. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has for those who trust in him. Let us now prepare for Holy Communion. Let us now prepare for Holy Communion. Pray that everybody has their elements ready, but if not, let me give you about another 30 seconds perhaps to, um, to get your elements together, and then we will move forward. And as you're doing so, I got one. Thank you, dear. And as you're doing so, the Bible tells us that um, on Jesus' last night living on this earth in a human body, before he went to the cross, he and the 12 disciples met in a place, in, in, a, in, a, in a building or house or building of some kind, uh, and there was an upper room, an upper chamber, and that's where Jesus and the disciples were, and they had a meal together. We call it the Last Supper. After the Last Supper, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him, he got up and he left the room to go off to betray Jesus. But the other 11 original disciples were there with him. And as they sat around that, that table, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ took uh, a piece of bread. Let me grab mine. He took a piece of bread. And the Bible says Jesus raised it up. He prayed over the bread. And then he uh, handed it to the disciples and told them each one to break off a piece of it. And he said, take this bread and eat it because it represents my body. And then after they had all eaten a piece of the bread loaf that he passed around, the Bible tells us that there was a cup that had uh, the fruit of the vine, the, the Bible says, or at least in the King James, that's what it says, the fruit of the vine. And Jesus took that cup, raised it. He prayed over it also. He did not drink from the cup himself, but he prayed over it. And then he handed the cup and told it to one of the disciples, told to pass it down among each of them. And as they got the cup, he told them to take that cup and drink from it because that fruit of the vine represented his blood, his pure blood, his holy, righteous blood that was going to be shed, it was going to be spilled for the remission, for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus said, do this often in remembrance of me. So that is why uh, we observe Holy Communion uh, in, in obedience to and honoring what our Lord Jesus Christ asked us to do. So I'm going to say a prayer and then we will go into the, the communion service. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for us. Thank you you were willing to endure all the horrible uh, physical beating that you took and the lies uh, that were told about you, Lord. Your, your name and reputation smeared in a way that none of us could begin to understand. But you suffered that brutal physical beating. You suffered that horrible emotional trauma. You even at one time cried out and asked your father, why had he forsaken you? Which in reality you knew that he had not because you were fulfilling your mission. But that was the human side of you reacting to what was going on. But thank you, Lord, that you endured it all so that you could save my soul and the souls of uh, everyone who will ask you to be 
our Lord and Savior. We love you. We can't love you as much as we, you love us, but we thank you for being Jesus and for loving us. And even now, sitting beside your father, the Bible says, and being our advocate when we still oftentimes uh, commit sins, either in our thoughts or our words or sometimes, of course, by our actions. But even now, you still tell, remind the father, I died for him and her. Please forgive them. And the Lord will temper his punishment with mercy because of your being our advocate. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're ready now, if you're ready, and if you're not ready now, you can do this at your own time and leisure later on. But we ask you to take this wafer I'm holding up that represents the body of Jesus Christ and let us eat this together. And now I ask you to take this fruit of the vine and this small cup that I have here, and I ask you to let us, it represents the shed blood, the pure blood, uh, the soul-saving blood, the sin-cleansing blood of Jesus Christ, and let us drink this together. And I will ask the musicians now, will you please give us one verse of amazing grace, and then I'll do the benediction and we'll, we'll close. time again in the worship service and we just pray that everything we've done here what the AV people have done what the musicians have done what I have attempted to do we pray Lord that it's all been pleasing in your sight most importantly we pray that you have used us to bless others more importantly to positively change lives and to put people's focus where it should be Lord Jesus not on man but always on you. Again, Lord, thank you for loving us. We cannot thank you enough. And we just pray that you will use us this week to be a blessing to this community, to this state, to this nation, to this world. You know what the desires of our hearts are. You always know. We don't have to always lay them before you publicly. And so, Lord, for those things that are on our hearts, individually and collectively, we lay them at your feet now. And we ask you to do as you will what is right and what is best. We love you. Bless our un unsaved brothers and sisters. And we pray that they'll come to you by the millions this week. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with us henceforth and forevermore. Amen. Let the church say Hallelujah.